You are listening to the Solid-ish Marriage Podcast. Normally, it's Scott and Betsy Neismer hosting this, uh, but today it's just Scott. This is session number two out of three of this little side series while we schedule some more couples to interview and bring for you. Now, uh, last episode was talking about attachment and what it is, why it's important that we all long to feel connected. We all need to know that we matter, that there's somebody out there that sees us, that cares about what we're going through. Last time we talked about the 70-30 rule and that uh, we can actually not have accurate attunement or successful attunement with our spouse 70% of the time and we can still actually have this ideal thing called secure attachment provided that in that 70% we're doing the work of repair, right? Which is, okay, when we feel disconnected, are we doing the work to get back connected again, to see each other Because when I see you, you make sense. When you make sense, I feel empathy. When I show you empathy, when I feel that empathy, I'm going to naturally become safe for you. You're going to feel that safety and naturally feel relief as a result. And then I get to witness myself as like, wow, I was actually effective. I was actually useful. I was actually good for you instead of anything negative. So that was all last episode. Today's episode is about pursuer withdrawer. If you've never uh, heard those terms before, that comes out of the therapeutic modality of emotionally focused therapy, uh, which is what Betsy and I use in all of our couples counseling, developed by Dr. Sue Johnson, who is totally amazing. So there's, there's a ton to the world of emotionally focused therapy, or EFT. Um, but one particular aspect is this, these roles, these, these relationship roles that most of us take on, which is pursuer and withdrawer. Now, first thing you need to know about pursuer withdrawer is that both roles have the exact same goal, which is, big surprise, we want to be connected, right? Attachment is central. That is constantly the thing that we're longing for. So whether you're a pursuer or withdrawer, you want to feel connected. That's why you make the moves that you make. Now, with specifically pursuer and withdrawer, what is different is all right, what's my strategy on how to either create or maintain that connection? And that's where, <laughs> as they say, the rub comes in, right? Like it's, it gets really, really messy uh, because the pursuer and withdrawer, they're, they're kind of talking different languages. I'm going to talk uh, like the, the stereotypical, like the patterns of withdrawer and pursuer Um, you'll probably not fit everything perfectly. Just about guaranteed you've experienced yourself in both roles. That's really normal. Um, But typically people will have base camp, right? They'll have their their baseline as one or the other. So I'm going to quick run through the descriptions and then we'll go from there. First up, withdrawer. Typical withdrawer thoughts, core beliefs is that I am not enough that I have been trying to be good for this relationship and when I try to be good to the relationship, it actually seems to make things worse, right? Like early on in our marriage, uh, one of the jokes that we like to bring up when Betsy and I are doing our two-day marriage intensive is is to talk about the garbage, right? And, And all the difficulties that we went through with the garbage because, you know, me having ADHD, I would constantly forget to take out the garbage. I mean, I would constantly forget lots of other things, but that was a major contention point for us, 
right? Why? Not because the garbage itself was a big deal, but because on Betsy's side of things, okay, if, you know, if Scott is forgetting to take out the garbage, if that doesn't matter enough for him to, to notice, well, then what's to say that he's going to be there for me when something really important, something major comes up in our lives or in my heart, right? If I can't trust him to be present here, then how can I trust him to be present there? And that's why that was so upsetting for her, right? And so she would bring that to me and she would say, ah, oh, it's seriously, it's, it's the garbage. It goes out the same day every week. How can you not get this together, right? So then that would hit me in my raw spot of, oh my gosh, you're right, I'm a failure. Like, oh, like huge shame storm for me. Now, me being the withdrawer in our relationship, I would go to that space of, ah, oh, I'm just not enough. Right? One of the first thoughts that would go through my mind is, all of these positive things that I did today, all of these things that I didn't screw up today, right? And the, the one thing that you're going to notice is I didn't take out the garbage, right? I could do a million things right, but if I do one thing wrong, then all those other things, they don't matter at all, right? How could I ever be enough, right? I look at that equation of life and I say, this is unwinnable. It's hopeless, right? There's nothing that I could possibly do to ever become enough. In that space, it makes sense that, okay, how am I going to survive that hopelessness? Or how am I going to comfort myself or protect myself from that space? Well, to step away. And, and that step away looks like a lot of different things. It can, it can look like a physical withdrawal, like I'm, I'm going to physically shut down, drop my eyes, hang my head, my shoulders, right? Like, or I could be walking out of the room. Um, it could be a, a very passive type of walking out of the room, right? I just go really quiet. Uh, or it could be a more aggressive leaving the room, right? Like I, I just kind of spout off some angry, resentful things and then I storm out of the room. Or it could be an emotional withdrawal, right? Like I'm, I'm just going to not feel those deeper shame feelings because I'm already overwhelmed by them. And so I'm just going to kind of go numb inside. Or I'm just going to go down to my frustration and resentment level, which is very surface still, and I'm not going to try and feel anything deeper from there. And and result of that being that, okay, well, the pursuer is going to feel totally alone, right? Or you know, whoever the other uh, person is in the relationship, they're going to feel totally alone, right? Either physically or emotionally, right? Do you see me? Do, do I make sense to you? Is the stuff that I'm upset by, does that matter to you? Well, I'm, I'm going to hear the message no because you just went comatose, right? You just went emotionally numb. You're just staying in your resentment. You walked out of the room. All things that tell me I don't matter to you. So from the withdrawer's perspective, right, if I am not enough, I've got to protect myself from that somehow, and so I shut down. It's easy to miss the real distress that's going on, how frequently that, that distress pops up, how deep that distress goes. I remember early in our marriage, you know, I would have these deep, deep reservoirs of pain, of shame, right? Terrified that I'm never actually going to be enough for anybody, but especially my wife. And for the most part, Betsy had no idea that that was there. All she saw was me powering down or going cyborg mode. And ultimately, what, what fuels this strategy? Why does the pursuit or why does the withdrawal make sense? But I, in my mind, I go to kind of a few different metaphors, right? If you imagine that your body is just covered in grenades 
And you have this like strange form of Tourette's, if you will, where just randomly throughout the day or throughout your life, unbeknownst to you, your arm just starts moving, right? And it grabs a grenade and it pulls the pin and it tosses it in a particular direction. Now, when I am distant from somebody, well, I can, you know, toss out a grenade, right? And in this metaphor, a grenade would be, you know, me making a mistake, me forgetting something, me dropping the ball, right? Like any sort of imperfection on my part that could hurt somebody, that's a grenade flying. Now, if I am distant from you, then me throwing a grenade or making a mistake, that's not really going to bother you that much, right? You might get some like dust on you or something after the explosion happens, but that's about it. But the closer I get to you, the more that grenade, the more that mistake is going to impact you, right? And if you are my spouse, if you are my person, the one that I want to be the most intimate with, well, I mean, it's basically like, you know, taking a grenade, pulling the pin and tossing it, right? And it lands right in your lap. And I I watch myself destroy you hurt you deeply because of my imperfections, right? So, of course, I want to protect the bond. I want to protect me. I want to protect you. I want to make everything better by moving away from you. On the flip side of all of that is the pursuer. Again, the pursuer wants the exact same thing, connection, but the strategy is totally different. So the pursuer, indicative of the name, is going to pursue connection when they feel disconnected. Right now in, in our relationship, this is Betsy. Uh, so the way Betsy describes it, I think is, is beautiful. She says, okay, you know, when it, when it comes to connection and this, this sense of aloneness, right? When it comes to my kind of my internal heart, when I do feel connected with Scott, it's like, you know, we're on this little tropical island, right? In the middle of the ocean and it's just the two of us and it's amazing, right? It's, it's like this tropical paradise, little getaway, right? Where we can just be together and it's relaxing and it's comforting. But when I feel Scott withdrawing, right? Literally when I see him withdrawing, what that feels like inside of me, it's like, you know, I, I walk up to the beach one day and I look out into the water and Scott has made this life raft for one and is actively paddling away from me. And so now this, this little you know, island in the middle of the ocean, it, it ceases to be this tropical paradise. Now I'm marooned on this island and, and we've got a majorly scary, dangerous survival situation. And not only has the environment become dangerous, but my person, the person that does anchor me, right? And help me feel safe and like I matter, that person totally ditched me, right? They're just out of here what makes the pursuer especially uh, hurt inside is when they are suffering, when they have some sort of stuff going on inside of them, right? They want to be known. They want to affirm that connection that, hey, can I bring this to you? Can I bring a stressful day to you? Can I tell you about, you know, X, Y, Z when I felt judged or alone or whatever? Because if I can bring that to you, and, and I see you making space for that, listening to me, you know, like that, that impacts you, that shows me that it matters to you what I'm going through, right? That's all stuff that makes me feel connected. But man, when, when I bring stuff to you and I watch you shut down, or when I bring stuff to you and I watch you go into your shame, or when I bring stuff to you and I literally watch you walk away from me, that leaves me feeling like I am way too much for you. 
like I, I have the power to crush you, right? Like I have the power of God over you. And, and that is terrifying because man, right, if, if I bring something that's, that's uncomfortable for you, that triggers you and you just leave, you make your life rough and you start paddling away from me, that's terrifying. And it leaves me hating myself. It leaves me wanting to become less. And yet, ah, I just, right, it's like a fire shut up in my bones, right? I need to be known. And so I, right, I, I try and be quiet and I try not to share these things with you. But eventually these things come out anyways, just because I have to be known. But every time I do, boom, I slam you, you shut down, you walk away, right? I must be too much for you. So with a pursuer, you know, any type of distress that they're going through, it's very evident, right? They're much more willing to, to show it out loud, but the longing is the thing that's easy to miss. Right? Especially over time, when a pursuer does not feel connected and when they don't feel like their spouse is engaged, that panic builds and builds and builds inside of them. And, right? and as you know, anytime any of us get panicked, we lose control of ourselves, right? I mean, if, if you've ever seen an exhausted toddler, you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? Like when they have all their faculties, they're okay. But man, when, when you push them beyond their limit, they just fall apart, right? And that's exactly what happens inside of a pursuer. That, okay, the first couple of times, if I send out these signals, these bids to try and get connection with you and you're not there, okay, a little bit of panic. But as that keeps happening, I lose more and more control of myself, which means that I'm going to be less and less kind to you. I'm going to be more and more aggressive in my pursuit of you. Again, the distress is evident, but the longing is the thing that's easy to miss. As a withdrawer, what I'm going to be seeing from a pursuer is the anger and the resentment and the judgment and the whatever, but I'll probably miss that why these things are actually happening, why these things are actually coming out of my spouse right now is because they actually long for me. Right? Even though they could literally be saying words to the opposite. God, what the hell is wrong with you, right? And, and if you can't pull it together, then I'm out of here. And oh my gosh. But underneath all of that for the pursuer is the longing, right? I don't feel like I matter to you. I don't feel you here and you are my person. I want you here so, so badly. So the pursuer, ultimately, they are trying to protect the bond by seeking after their spouse. I'm going to try and move toward you when I feel disconnected from you. But then the withdrawer sees the pursuer moving toward them. And they say, wait a minute, I'm covered in these grenades. I, I, I can hurt you. My mistakes hurt you. I've seen it a million times before. So if you're moving closer to me, that's a problem. That's dangerous. So then what do I want to do? I want to correct that and move away from you. But then the pursuer says, wait a minute, we were feeling disconnected. I fixed this, right? I moved towards you and now you just moved away again. What in the world is going on, right? So they start getting nervous, maybe a little irritated. And so they move towards again, but this time maybe they move a little bit faster. And the withdrawer looks at that and be like, oh boy, they're starting to get a little bit aggressive and they're too close again. So I'm freaking out. So I'm going to maybe move two steps away. Right. And then the pursuer is like, what the hell are you doing, man? I just fixed this twice. And now you moved double the distance. Right. And so now they start like, you know, pounding the pavement coming after. Right. So then the, then the withdrawer is like, oh my God, they're chasing me. So they start running away. Right? And then the pursuer starts chasing them. Like, where are you going? Come over here. And that's, that's a little snippet, a little, a little peek into what the cycle looks like and how that gets started. So next uh, next episode, I'm going to be diving into 
the cycle, how it works and how to exit it. Um, but for now, just remember, right? Pursue or withdrawal. Both people make sense. The moves that they make make sense because ultimately we want the same thing. We want connection with each other. And that's it for today. We will see you next time.